I love helpful apps. And Newsly is an audio app for iOS and Android that picks up web articles about the most trending topics at any given moment and reads them to you. How fabulous. For the first time in history of the internet, the web becomes listenable. Browse articles from topics you choose and start playing. And there are podcasts as well. Explore trending podcasts from over 40 countries. My show, Food is Culture, a podcast is there too. Download and use Newsly for free. Go to www.newsly.me for more information. And using promo code f 0 D2021, as in food 2021, receive a one month free premium subscription to newsly.me. Link and code in the show notes, of course. Newsly, stop scrolling, start listening. I'm Billy Buttery, and this is Food is Culture, a podcast. I'm so excited for you to hear the wonderful stories of today's guest. I stumbled upon the Instagram of The Table of Us a few months ago. Simone and Dan had just launched their cookbook by the same name. The videos and photos are absolutely beautiful, and the IG stories of Simone making fresh homemade pasta are heavenly. I will admit I've been thinking of pulling out my pasta attachment from my KitchenAid after Googling her page, and especially after this chat. Simone shares some of the most lovely stories of her nonina and the wonderful cooking she grew up enjoying. I loved hearing Dan's stories of his food journey as well, and how they've created their own food traditions, part out of necessity, as you'll hear from their moving day dinner, and out of their shared love of food and wanting to preserve and celebrate their Italian heritage with their children. As a show note, I would like to apologize. While recording, I hadn't realized how low the volume was on Dan's mic. At times, he's a little bit quiet, but please don't let that deter you from listening. It's a fantastic episode. Fair warning, this show will make you hungry. Cheers. Hello. Thank you both so much for joining me tonight. Thank you. Thanks well, m- morning there, I should say. <laughs> Slip of the tongue. It is. Sorry. 9.30 this morning, bright and early. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited to talk about The Table of Us. Um, but first, I want to get to know a little bit about you two and your childhoods, if that's okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, so thank you so much, Dan, for sending over some of the book. I have to admit, Simone, when I was reading the dedication to your uh, to your father's mother, your uh, Noni? Nonina. 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 I, I teared yeah. up. It was so beautiful. Oh, thank you. Um, look, for me, um, she she is my biggest inspiration behind, behind the cookbook. Um, you know, we come from a European family, and, and whilst all the – all the women in the family are renowned to be beautiful cooks and just know their way around the kitchen. I think that's amazing. Um, for me, my nonina really stood out as um, just having this flair. She just had like a natural ability. She did, yeah. I love how you wrote that she, you know, would have seemingly nothing in her kitchen and have this beautiful three-course meal in half an hour. And um, growing up, my mother bestowed that compliment on one of her friends. And I always strive for that in my cooking. You know, it's just that sort of effortless, uh, not effortless, but um, seemingly effortless, beautiful, simple, delicious food. I think that's so beautiful and so describes Italian food. Definitely, to a T. And that's the whole, um, the idea behind the book. Um you know, cooking needn't be difficult. Um, if you just work with the best quality ingredients that's in season, um, you can have a beautiful meal available and ready in, in, in a matter of time, um, short amount of time, with uh, whatever's in your fridge. Yeah, sometimes I think, and I think you know, a lot of cultures have done this really well, I think the Italians have done this as well, and that some of the most simple 
flavoured combinations maybe, you know, like... Less is more, yeah. yeah like tomato and basil, you know, absolutely perfect. And um, yeah, it goes so well together, but it's so complex, if that makes sense. So simple, but so complex. Totally. And just the balance of all of the different um, different tastes, the pepperiness of the basil and the sweetness of the tomato. And you have the olive oil, the earthiness and, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit of salt. And you have the most delicious bruschetta you've ever had. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Making me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> and you both grew up in Australia? Uh, yes. So parents were born in Italy. Um, when my mum was born here, my grandmother came out uh, when she was pregnant with my mum. Um, and my dad came out here when he was 12. There was an earthquake uh, in the town that they were in uh, and at that time it pretty much wiped out the town that he was in. Um, and so he came out here when he was 12, but his family, his the, the brothers and sisters of my grandparents all stayed behind. Um, so still in Sicily? Still in Sicily, yeah. So we've been back to the town many times now and it's beautiful and they rebuilt it to what it is today. Um but my parents came out to make a better life for them here in Australia. Yeah. So I guess both of us are, is it second generation? Yeah. Or first generation? Oh, first generation. Yeah, sorry. first yeah. generation. So we're both born here in Australia, but um, parents um, all moved out at different mm. points. Uh, my mum moved over from Sicily when she was four with her family. Um, my dad moved out in his, uh, when he was around 20 from Calabria, so, the, you know, um, southernmost part of the Italian mainland um, and, yeah, so really, I guess, strong sort of cultural ties back to Italy and, and um, a lot of family over there mm. still between both families. Mm-hmm. So well, and I love that you've both kept that alive with visiting back and um, incorporating Italian food into your everyday cooking. Yeah, I think that's really important. And, you know, uh, we've got three small boys Um and at a time when we're able to travel again, mm-hmm. uh, we would absolutely adore to to take them back and to give them that understanding of of their roots and where they come from. Um, because as time progresses, that slowly slips away. Yeah, it's um, we've always tried to go back and visit, either visit family or just go back to Italy just from a holiday or a vacation point of view. And um, it's something, you know, we love travelling, obviously. I think everybody does. Mm -hmm. um, Immerse yourself in the culture. Yeah, yeah, it's such an easy way and such a good way. Just, yeah, that's right, immersing yourself in culture and food and language. History, yeah. Yeah, it's such a beautiful um, thing. And it's, you know, it seems like like, we don't have that uh, from an Australian point of view. We don't have thousands of years of of, um, heritage here, you know. So for us it's really interesting when we go back to Italy and see what it's like and the strong traditions and cultures that they like every single day. Mm -hmm. That's such an interesting point. I feel um, anytime I've gone to Italy, I just, it's almost like you can feel the culture walking down the street. You can feel the history and the ancientness of it. And it's just so wonderful. Yeah. And every town is different, you know, um, Mm. different in terms of that history and that um, feeling that you get and and the food and the produce and the recipes. Uh, You can travel you know, half an hour, an hour uh, in a car and, and next minute you, you've just been involved or invited into this entirely new different experience. And I think that's the beauty of 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 Italy. Um, yeah, so you don't need different. to, yeah, so different. I love that. And do you both speak Italian? <laughs> <laughs> not as much as, or not as fluent as what we'd like. Um, we probably speak Italian, 
enough to get by. Uh, well, sorry, we do speak enough to get by between the two of us. So Simone, I think Simone's um, told me the story about when she was younger. Uh, I think Italian was your first language. Yeah, my brother and I, our first language was, was Italian and then it, it was when we <coughs> started schooling that the school um, obviously um, – didn't what's the word I'm looking for? Didn't encourage um, the second language at home. Well, fast the first language, so it interfered with our schooling too much. So my parents just stopped, um, which was probably their biggest mistake in, in my mind. Because now, as an adult, I'm I'm going back to try and study and remember and learn um, the language. But having said that, each each part of Italy has its own little dialect, and we're very familiar with the dialects that, from the regions that we're from because that's what we heard our grandparents talk, um, but, again, very different to traditionally um, proper proper Italian. Yeah, textbook Italian. But I'm sure after a glass of wine, once you're there, it sort of flows a little bit easier. after a glass of wine, it gets flowing. (laughs) (laughs) Remember how much I I know. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. special talent. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so, well, I want to throw it back a little bit. So, Simone, what would be your first memory of food? Um, it's funny you ask me that question and I have to, I have to say my first memory of food would be, would be, um, a tradition that my grandmother on, on my mum's side, my mum's mum, my nonna Maria, um, every Christmas she would have the entire family over in, in her home <clears throat> and, you know, there's, there's 30, 40 people around one big long dinner table, kids running around screaming and and just chaos at its best. Mm -hmm. And she would continue to cook the dishes that she was brought up on um, back in the mainland, back in Italy. But you also need to remember that in Australia, it's 40 degrees um, weather in In summer summer, uh, Mm -hmm. come Christmas. So we're not having snow. We're not in winter. Mm -hmm. But my nonna Maria would always cook us brodo. So brodo is like a tortellini, um, freshly made tortellini in this chicken broth. And it's beautiful. It really is. But on 40 degrees day, (laughs) it's really hot. And that was always followed by always followed by a a selection of meats and sides and, again, heavy, hot food. (laughs) Air conditioner barely going. Mm -hmm. But for her, that's all she wanted to do was keep that tradition alive for her family. Always Christmas, always the same menu, every Christmas. And as children back then, oh, gosh, not the same dish again, Mm -hmm. not the same menu again. But as an adult, it's like, oh, to have that that experience one more time, so to me, that's what it, that's what it's about, and that's what the basis of the book is about: is creating that feeling and that chat and that um, conversation and that nostalgia around food and memories. And it's nice having all ties together. Yeah, like the, um, I think it's really important. Yeah, mm-hmm. not just the whole like one dish, um, you know, not the feast aspect, but then you know, once you put that level. It's the banter and the kids running around, and someone falls and hits their knee, and they're screaming, and yeah. you know that yeah. that mm-hmm. kind of enjoyment really. Yeah. Sounds crazy. <laughs> Craziness. <laughs> totally. I think that's something um, that memory of that is so universal for everybody. Like I, one of my favorite childhood memories is being at a wedding and, you know, we went to, you know, a few weddings when I was a kid and I was a flower girl. Mm-hmm. And I remember my little patent leather shoes and my tights and running around with other kids under the table and squeezing past adults. And, um, just that excitement, I think translates so nicely and, um, 
to the dinner table and Christmas time and Easter and all of those different holidays. Definitely. It's kind of funny to have these little tiny, uh, I don't know, these little moments maybe spark that memory and mm. just kind of transcends you back into that moment, that time. Mm. Right? Like, I used to remember falling. My, we used to, my parents used to take us out all the time at, at events and weddings like yourself and if the expectation was we come along and if you're tired they will put a, a row of chairs together and, and a blanket and there you go go to bed but we're <laughs> exactly. here we're celebrating that's it we're out we're out you have to be here exactly <laughs> yeah I mean um, I can't remember the last time I've, I've seen that at a party or a wedding but I remember being yeah, kid and no. that was just totally normal oh go sleep under the ca- under the coats <laughs> exactly on the couch put a few chairs together under the table yeah it's different it's it is different. They'll be, they'll be uh, bouncing off the walls the next day. Yeah, mm. exactly. Well, and Dan, but that, I think that's a, sorry. No, sorry. I was going to say, I think that's just a true, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, true just reflection, mate, thank you, of Italian culture. Uh, they're out at night. The kids are running in the piazzas at 10 o'clock at night. They're having ice creams. They're going for uh, walks. They're doing all of that. And it's just so different. To where we are here. So when we go back to to Italy, um, it's that that we want to embrace yeah. because we can't get it here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. After a certain time, it yeah. comes back into the house. And that's just it. Binges on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder why that is. I think it's definitely a European thing. And it is. I think, um, I mean, I know that your school system is a little bit different in Australia, but here we are just finished our summer. And Overall, I think here um, for summer break, because we have two months, two solid months off, the parents Mm. sort of get into a little bit more of that. And, you know, it's not just Friday nights. Kids get to kind of stay up late. You go for walks and it's warm and it's still kind of light out until, Mm. you know, 830, 9 o'clock at night. And um, Mm. and that sort of happens here, but not nearly as much as in Italy. You know, I love seeing prams and kids running around at 10 p.m. and mm. you know that's it's just so fun it, it makes even if you're in the center of Rome it makes it feel like a little neighborhood or a little community and they live differently they have smaller homes so they're they, you know they, they don't they don't have the space they're in apartments and they they, they need they want to get out I remember <clears> um, this is going back years ago uh, like maybe 10 years ago we were, we were in uh, Slovakia did a trip and we were sort of uh more northern Italy around like the Italian lakes kind of like around the town Lake Garda. Yeah, Lake Garda, Lake Maggiore, around there. And I remember, and it was more like September, October, so we passed summer and it was starting to get a little bit cooler. But even at night time, even though it was a little, it was a little bit chilly and um, it, there were still people everywhere, I just remember seeing these two old ladies sitting on a bench eating um, ice, ice cream. cream. Yeah. yeah like, eating the gelato, these two old donuts just sitting there. And it was like such a lovely thing to see. You would never get that here in Australia, I think. No. I don't know what it's like in um, uh, over in um, Canada. Toronto, yeah. in Canada. But uh, certainly it was such, such a nice thing to say to see. It didn't matter what time of year it was, even it didn't matter what the weather was, it was just the social aspect of, you know, these two, you know, two old ladies who probably been lifelong friends. Mm-hmm. And they've been doing it all their life. They grew up that way. That's all they know. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah. That reminds me of, um, have you seen the new Disney movie, Luca? We have. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Just that, you know, strolling down the street, linking linked arms and having their gelato, you know. Yeah. 
with um, Nyoketi Sardi, and it is in the cookbook now, but this is now our his his request every birthday. Um, but if I think about the things that I had growing up, um, our celebration of food um, would be a lot of biscuits, a lot of certain biscotti that would only come out that my nonina, my nonna, and my mum now would only cook for Christmas and Easter, uh, and a couple of those recipes are featured in the cookbook. It was, it was the kind of... Like the biscuits that um, would come out at like a baptism or a Christmas. Yeah. Christmas. Mm-hmm. So they would make them in large quantities. Like and I remember, so there's this, this uh, diamond-shaped chocolate almond biscuit. It's called pasta nera. Mm-hmm. And um, my grandmother or my so my mum's mum, she's from Bastel, so central. central, yeah, just south of inland from Rome. Um, and she would always make these these biscuits. And I, I said to mum during the time of researching for the cookbook, I said, mum, can you give me Nonna, Nonna Maria's recipe for the, the biscuits? Cause it means a lot to me that always come out um, every time we visit her home, every Christmas, every Easter. And mum gave me this, this handwritten <clears throat> uh, piece of paper scribble of, 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 of the recipes, um, uh, sorry, of the ingredients to, this, to these biscuits. And so I sat in my kitchen and I started making them one day. And the first time I made them, they turned out beautiful. But I had to say to my mom, mom, honestly, like how many biscuits does the, do, do, the, do these make? She's like, oh, you know, just a small amount, a little bit. It made 150 biscuits. Because <laughs> everything, I was rolling this dough out all morning. Um, mm-hmm. Because every time we made things, it was it was made in bulk, and we froze them, and they came out for special occasions. Mm-hmm. So the fe- the recipe is to a T. It's in the cookbook. I did have to quarter it, so it only makes about forty five biscuits. Because gosh, could you imagine if I'd sent someone on their way to make two hundred biscuits <laughs> in one time? You know, it's perfect for like a baptism yeah. or a bridal yeah. shower, a wedding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not That's when what... your friends visiting. Yeah, they together. still do this. Yeah, it's they, beautiful. Yeah, and Simone's mum still does this today where, you know, a couple of, um, a couple of her friends, they all get together and they'll start making biscuits, but then I guess each person is responsible for it, uh, their own kind of biscuit, right, so their own variety of, of biscotti. And then so one might be making a pasta nera, one might be making something very different, but then mm. at the end of it, and they're all making large quantities, but then at the very end, they all share them around, so you might get four or five different varieties. So you've got an assortment, yeah. yeah. Everybody has an assortment, which I think is actually quite, um, mm. quite nice. So Simone's mum still does this today, um, and so we always get this stream of... <laughs> but I think, I think that's, that's the beauty of, of, you know, <clears throat> food and culture and conversation. It's just It just it has this way of bringing people together yeah. um, and experience new um, enjoyment. Totally. Well, and exchanging the cookies. Yeah. I've had a few people come up to me, like a few work colleagues who've made those biscuits, that's Castaneda, and they've actually said to me, oh, my God, this is actually the same as how my mum would make it. And then I've given it to my mum and she's like, oh, this is is the same recipe, like the exact same thing. So it's quite funny how. um, And all these people that have all come to Australia, they've left, you know, their hometown, they've all bought the same <clears throat> the same traditions, the same recipes, and yeah, yeah that's beautiful. It's, it's amazing how they all sort of align. Well, I'm. It's not a bad problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm pretty sure I've had um, hearing it described. I'm pretty sure I've had something similar. I 
in high school, a lot of my friends were Italian, either first or second generation. And I've attended so many, um, you know, Italian weddings and bridal showers and a bridal shower is usually, you know, the, the aunties and the nonnas bake so many cookies and you get your little basket and you take home all the different cookies. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure yeah, I've had that's those fun. as well. And you know what, you probably have, and they're actually called something different depending on the town that you're from. So for us, they're known as pasta nera. But, you know, some some places they call it mosacioli. Um, yeah, so they are lovely. Chocolate biscuits, almonds, diamond shapes, dipped in chocolate. Really, mm-hmm. what's what What can you not enjoy out of that? Mm-hmm. I always love it whenever someone tells me to speak one issue at the lunchbox at school. Not these ones here. These have got nuts in them, but there's some of the other, like, biscottis that. Like, yeah, the meringue ones. Yeah, or the, yeah. yeah. I absolutely adore these things. I'm I sure love non ethnic children are probably asking about what do these be? I remember actually not long, yeah, no, but even I remember um, the boys that are in kindy, the twins are in kindy, and they open up their lunchbox and they had these leftover homemade potato and rosemary pizzas with sea salt. And that <laughs> their teacher's aide, who's also Italian, was like, Oh, can I have one? <laughs> like, That's the best lunchbox I've ever seen. <laughs> That's awesome. My son used to be so much more adventurous and he used to love focaccia and uh, mortadella and prosciutto. But the last couple of times I've, I've made it and given it to him, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so. I think they go through stages and their taste buds change. Mm-hmm. And as a kid having, um, like going to school and you'd have, you'd open your lunchbox and you'd, you'd have all of that, like real ethnic, you know, Italian cold meats and things like that. And, and all the, you know, some of the other Australian kids who would sort of look and, question and you know maybe laugh or make fun of you know why are you eating that for um and I remember growing up it was a bit like oh I don't want this in my lunch anymore but but that was a real thing for our parents and 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 that's I guess where it comes in full circle you know they leave the country because they they know it they lived there Mm -hmm. and they know it in a different way that we do. Yeah. Um, it was almost a bit more about hardship, wasn't it? It was about hardship, yeah. And they come here and they used to get teased and they couldn't speak the language and, and everybody would used to laugh at them and, make, and <clears throat> point their fingers and call them names. And it was almost like borderline bullying just for who they are. And, and so then then they have parents, then they have children and we come along and we have children and we want to immerse ourselves in the culture and the food mm-hmm. um, and who we are and what we're about because we don't have that um I hate to say the word tar- almost like tarnished because yeah. it was looked down upon to be Italian in Australia. Yeah, I mean, my, I mean, my mum. I mentioned before my mum came here when she was four. She was three or four years old. She came out with her older sister, who was a couple of years older, and my mum from Sicily. Um, my grandfather had uh, he come to Australia a few a couple of years before. So my mum really only met my grandfather when he, uh, when they arrived here in. Um, Australia, Australia at, the, mm. you know, at the port of Fremantle. So he came basically out here for a couple of years to work, earn enough money, send back, um, send back home to, you know, bring the rest of the yeah. family out. But so her growing up, and this is to your point, Simone, mm. my mum growing up grew up with an Italian background in Australia and it was, it was really shunned to almost mm. Italian. Mm. And, you know, she refused to speak the language, although she didn't speak it fluently. She sort of didn't want to speak it. And that was one of the main reasons um, so then they left the country and they wanted to leave it behind. Yeah. But now we're so all was, wanting to immerse ourselves like in really it. Embracing, mm. I guess, the Australian way of life, or the, you know, I guess that Western, Western maybe that's probably not mm. the English kind of way of life, I guess. 
Um, whereas we look at it from the opposite point of view, isn't it? Like, we have a different experience, though. Yeah, we, yeah. Want, that. we want to want that culture. We want our kids to embrace that culture, um, grow up with it. I mm. think, yeah, it's, it's funny how it has come to circle. Totally. Well, and I think that that also speaks a little bit to um, Australia and Canada, North America being newer than Europe, right? The, yeah. uh, the cultures is mm, different. That's right. You know, these these um, passed down generational recipes and traditions that sort of didn't stop, but were sort of paused for a little bit when you're um, – when your mm. generations move to Australia or, or North America, but then it's like this resurgent when you realize, okay, well, we don't really have much going on here. <laughs> there isn't mm. so much mm. of that, you know, ancient culture that to sort of immerse yourself in. So let's bring back those beautiful old traditions and old recipes. We're very conscious of that as well, I think, over here. I mean, well, there's some and I are very conscious of that and just, you know, like all these things that we did experience growing up as a kid, making mm. sure that our, you know, our boys are sort of having a little bit of that. And it's everything from, you know, like making the tomato sauce or making, um, you know, the the sauce, yeah. making um, our own, uh, you know, our own sausages and things like that where it was a real traditional thing. And I remember as a kid, you know, we used to make our own wine um, mm. with my grandfather and, you know, we don't do that anymore. But then it's also these little recipes, I think, start to disappear along the way as that generation starts to get, mm. um, you know, you know, less and less. And And also the love of wanting to do it. Like, you know, if we think about, and we were talking about this before, Daniel, we we think about uh, any culture really. Well, I'm talking from the Italian culture. Um, It's just expected that the women are the ones that cooked. And you asked me before, Billy, um, what were my earliest memories? And I think about all the the mother figures and the the women that were in the the kitchen and um, not a lot of men. Uh, and I, I have three boys. I'm a mum of three boys, um, and I want my boys to be in the kitchen and learn and appreciate food um, fr- from beginning to end, not just from receiving it, um, just as much as what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad, my dad helps in the kitchen. He's he's a great cook. He loves to get involved. Um, Daniel's in the kitchen <laughs> when he's allowed. <laughs> um, but, you know, like we have this, I think it's really important to, to have the boys um, in the kitchen and experience uh, how to um, cook and how to get enjoyment from that. Yeah, how to get their hands dirty. Yeah. It's actually, um, actually a really nice thing. So I knew very good at this where the boys are always in there, maybe too much. Oh, look, we make pizzas and I give them a little bit of dough and they make their own shapes and we get love hearts and there's flour everywhere. And But, you know, they own it. That's their pizza. Mm-hmm. You have that pizza. That's great. Or one day I was making fresh pasta and I was making trophy pasta, which is really short, curly pasta. And um, Pete gave up from school and when he came home, he goes, I'm like, I don't want that pasta. He goes, can I make something else? I said, yeah, sure, go for it. And so we did a little bit more dough for him and he made a different pasta and he made it all by himself and he ate that bowl. We all had the same sauce, mm-hmm. but he ate that bowl and he yeah. owned that and he was so proud of his effort and I was proud of him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. I remember coming home from work and I saw the two of you at the bench, you know. Yeah. And um, Gabriel, you had shown him how to hand roll. What was it? What was it? It was a busiate. He so made busiate, yeah. It's like a long sort of curly, uh, beautiful. Yeah. Tight, spiraled. Mm-hmm. Pasta. Pasta, yeah. yeah. And he was just doing it. And he was doing it. Mm-hmm. 
Perfect. He yeah, he did a good job. I did have to clean up twice, and that was a little bit annoying. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> That's awesome. It was, quite it was beautiful, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think having kids involved in whatever way suits their age and their skill is so important. Um, with my son, I've noticed a huge difference if when we go grocery shopping together and I let him pick things and even if I know that maybe he's not going to necessarily love what he's picking and I make it and I let him try it, then he can decide for himself. And I see the pride when like today we had these chicken skewers I hadn't, I had never really bought before. And he had two of them and he was so proud, like, daddy, I picked these out of the grocery store. These were the ones I picked. Um, and it's just so cute to see that in them, you know? It's giving them that ownership really and that independence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's great. Well, baking pasta. So he's only four. So that's something we'll have to work up to. <laughs> yeah, plenty of time. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, the twins are going to be fine. They, they, get, well, they get pizza every day, didn't they? That was fun. Yeah, pizza's a good one. Messy, but it's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Well, I want to talk about you two as a couple. So I think maybe it's fair to say that the first meal you guys ate at home, Simone probably made. Yeah, and I've probably made most of them since then as well. <laughs> um, I don't remember the first time I'm, what I cooked for you. I mean, we've been together for, been married for 12 years. 12? Yeah, yeah, about that. <laughs> Stop counting after 10. Um, so we went 12, 14, 15 years probably That's been together. Tell me the first meal. I think it I'll might have been you. a risotto. It might be. Do you know what? I can tell you, though, the first, we actually do have a little family tradition. We've got about this. Um, Snowbird. When we first moved into our, like, our, we got married, we moved into our first home and we were unloading boxes all day. Oh, and yeah. Was coming in. And, and I don't even know why we made this particular dish. I made this dish because that's all we had in the, again, going back to what we are talking about before, it's yeah. all we had. So I made um, spaghetti with uh, with sardines or bucatini with sardines. Um, and so we'd spent all day moving home and there was no fresh food in the fridge other than some cherry tomatoes. <laughs> I had tin sardines and spaghetti and, and parsley. And I was like, do you know what? Fine. That's what we're having. Whip it, it up. And it was beautiful. And it is one of our favourite dishes. And we have moved home about... I think in our first five years of marriage, we moved to five different places. Yeah, five different places. We have moved a lot. And then it became a tradition that every time the first meal that was cooked in each of our new homes... Um, was this pasta with sardines? I love that. Yeah, that is our family tradition. Um, Just don't want to move again. (laughs) (laughs) I'll still make the pasta. Yeah, that's actually really fun. I have to admit that's probably one of my favourites. I love those really, like, strong, sort of salty flavours, like sardines and anchovies. But that's, again, that story in itself good memory, Daniel, is the reason I wanted to make a cookbook. It's because I was, you know, in a day where you're moving, you're tired, it's so easy to order, take away, it's so easy to reach for the junk food. Mm -hmm. But with a couple of simple ingredients in your fridge, in your pantry and your fridge, you've got this beautiful meal. And I remember um, we opened up a bottle of red wine that we bought back, so we'd just come back from the honeymoon in Europe, Mm. a couple of bottles of red wine. Spain when we were there mm-hmm. and uh, opened one up and we were sitting at the kitchen bench but we didn't even have a table to box <laughs> everywhere and we were at the kitchen bench and we had this beautiful red Spanish um, Rioja I think it was yeah. and um, yeah that with a 
nice long pass. It was, it was. Gosh, like, that was a long time ago. Yeah, and we've actually we've done it quite a few times. That we do mm. always, but yeah, every time we've moved house, we've always just. And they'll eat that. My four-year-olds will eat that. Um, so they actually have been trained to have quite <laughs> strong <laughs> palates. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's I think, a universal. Like, I think, I mean, I could definitely, I'm, Dan, I'm with you. I could eat pasta every single day. And I think my kids yeah. could too. <laughs> so, uh, here's a, um, a little story. I remember on, so on that honeymoon, we were, we were in Europe for Eight weeks. Eight weeks we travelled, yeah. We're driving around through Italy and France and Spain and I set this. this We had about five weeks solid in Italy. This will give you an insight, I guess, into me as an individual. But um, (laughs) I set myself a goal to have pasta every single day. There's always a different pasta dish. This Mm -hmm. this, this, I'm just now that I'm saying it. But I remember, and I was having, you know, different pastas um, and they were all so different and so nice. Mm. And I remember there was one day we were up, North we're in Verona, yeah. Pasta with wild, I still remember it, a pasta with a wild boar in a ragu mm. and a uh, nice sort of tomatoey sauce. And you I ordered fish. Was it a fish? I think so. Right. And I had major food envy. And my, your dish came <laughs> I up was, and you were like, oh, I don't want this. I get so really I upset. If I be <laughs> <laughs> swamp. And, not, and I was not in any way expecting to turn around and say yes. And then you did. And that was the only day he never ate pasta <laughs> on the trip <laughs> because I ate it. <laughs> and that's why you married me. <laughs> See, he couldn't say no. We're married. He couldn't say no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm, yum. Yeah, one day. One day. I was just asking my husband today. I was like, are we going to travel again? When would it happen? He goes, one day. This is going to be a distant memory. We're going to be on vacation with the kids. (laughs) Or in a crowded piazza. Anywhere, really. Anywhere. Mm -hmm. What would you say is sort of... um, your kids' favorite, like if they're a little bit sick or under the weather, is there something that they request or something that you always make them? Pastina. Hmm. Pastina is what every Italian family child will grow up on. And it's basically, so it's, like a it's a, yeah, it's baby little tiny pastas with chicken broth um, and, an and you beat an egg and you mix an egg through it Um and basically, if you're feeling sick, if you're feeling sad, if you just anything, <laughs> that's what that's what you get. Or if you run on run out of time, that's what you eat. Um, <laughs> you just snap up the uh, spaghetti. Yeah, I remember I had a, my cousin over here. Um, remember when Beck was here a few weeks ago, a few months ago now. Sorry, and. It was this big rush because it was last minute, and I was like, "Okay, well, what are we going to have? For, what are we going to have for dinner?" I was like, "I'll just quickly get the, the kids fed because you know what it's like having yeah. hungry children. You're on a time limit." So I made this pastina for the kids, and um, had them fed. And I remember Beck; she was clearing the bowls, and one of the boys hadn't finished it, and she picked up one of the kids' bowls and was and was helping me clear, do the dishes and stacked the dishwasher and she stood at the kitchen bench at the sink with this bowl and literally finished 
this <laughs> this one of my boys plus you know, yeah back to that and I was like back I'll make you something it's like we're gonna have something to eat soon because it was for, yeah. <laughs> but she's like oh my gosh I haven't had this in years <laughs> and for her it was the whole memory that was associated with the taste and the, and the <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so no pastina definitely pastina Awesome. I haven't had it in years. Now I'm now I'm craving it. I think that's what we're going to have tomorrow for, yeah, for dinner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pastino. It's great for the adults as well. Oh, it's yes. It's... Every time the kids eat it, it does, I have this moment where I make it like a positive where should I just have a little taste? I'll just taste it just to check if it's too hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have a couple oh, of big spoonfuls. Yeah, yeah. Daddy, yeah. can I have my bowl? <laughs> yeah. Where's my dinner? There's four children in Oh, well, yeah, and speaking, I think that would be it. Um, speaking of time poor and getting, you know, dinner on the table in a certain amount of time while the kids sort of pull on your, pull on your uh, pants, your hem. I love that you wrote that in the book, that it's a great cookbook for, to get the dinner, dinner on the table in a, in a reasonable amount of time and a simple, delicious, nutritious meal. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And that's, you know, like I said, plan a, a packet of pasta, um, and a few sta- a few pantry staples, and you've got a really wholesome meal. Um, you, you don't have to be a trained chef to be able to make good food. I think that's the no. Point, right? And I think that's what our grandparents did really well. And not just our grandparents, but, you know, go back generations. That was the whole point of it. It was just really honest, mm. wholesome food. It was really good quality ingredients because, um, you know, they probably grew it or made it or, you know, they mm. And also with this particular, I mean, yes, I've referenced that we make pasta um, and I really enjoy making pasta, but we all don't have the time to make pasta and pasta might be a special occasion or a weekend thing. Mm -hmm. So whilst I reference, you know, a basic pasta dough um, recipe in in the cookbook, grab a packet. You know, Mm -hmm. there's some great produce available to us. Grab the packet when you're rushed from work or the kids are pulling at your parents and just push, put the deal together because it's just as beautiful. Yeah, mm-hmm. as long as it's a really good, yeah, good, good quality brand. Yeah. You know, with some good ingredients, um, you can't, can't go wrong. wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was one of my questions was, how often are you making pasta from scratch? <laughs> <laughs> for so we went out cooking. for dinner a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> went out for dinner a couple of weeks ago. And I've been making a lot lately um, since launching the cookbook and just wanting to um, learn new shapes and um, yeah really immerse myself in I'm really enjoying it so we're having pasta a lot and we went out for dinner a few weeks ago and I remember saying Dan, again Daniel Story always loves to order pasta and he looked at me and he goes we've been having pasta a lot lately maybe we should order something else and I, <laughs> honestly I thought are you like are you sick <laughs> are you okay <laughs> or is that a reflection of how much pasta I've actually been cooking but mm-hmm. um no, I probably haven't had the pack of pasta a lot lately purely because I've just tried to immerse myself as much as possible. I've launched um, cooking demonstrations and pasta workshops from home, so we're doing a lot of that. Um, so, yes, I am I am doing fresh pasta a lot more than what I normally would. Yeah, lots of different shapes. But, um, of yeah. Different kinds of pasta as well, so it's not always the same no, and then what we donate goes in the freezer and, it's and again, it's like pulling a packet of pasta out. So, mm-hmm. you know, you go straight to the freezer and it's all portioned up and then it does, yeah. And that's awesome. So I do want to talk a little bit about, more about that. So I 
love your Instagram. I think it's just so beautiful. Thank and you. I, I love it. And it's, it ties in so beautifully with the book. Um, I think the cookbook photos are just so beautiful and classic and a really like simple and um, like unpretentious way that are, they're just so beautiful. I just love them. Um, and I think that your indus- Instagram is the same way. So to sort of follow you along on your journey. Um, I'm going to link the your Instagram on the show notes, but you have a website as well. Can people sign mm-hmm. up for your cooking classes on the website? Yeah, they can. Of course they can. So there's um, uh, options to sign up on the website. Um, there's a few dates still available. Um, I run them from my, from my home kitchen. Um, <clears throat> I haven't ventured into Zoom, but it might be something that I could look at um, in the future to make um, basic pasta doughs or even Italian biscotti um, coming up to Christmas, something like that. So, yeah, uh-huh. you can. Uh, all the information is there on the website. Yeah. I didn't realise that was your home kitchen. It's so beautiful. Yeah, so the, the, it is it is home, so I keep it to a small group. Um, so I want them to be quite bespoke and I want them to be um, – enticing you know that feeling of home and familiarity and um togetherness so I actually love the fact that I do it at home in a place that I'm comfortable with mm-hmm. I get people to to get a group of five together so there's uh six of us including me um and I have these um beautiful antipasti um we have some drinks and prosecco uh I'll, I'll bake a cake a Sicilian apple cake or a torta di mele or something from the book um, and then we we make the dish, and so I make enough to um, all enjoy together at the dinner table for lunch, and then they take their shapes home and recreate it, um, and they get a recipe card yeah, as well. Yeah, it's made the uh, making the bread, which is yeah. that you're extending that idea, of extending that experience. Yeah, well, that's mm-hmm. the aim. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And so there's stockists in um, Australia that are carrying the book, obviously, and. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone in North America that's carrying it now or not yet? Not at the moment. Um, we'll need to tackle shipping really for that. But we're actually mm-hmm. been talking about it uh, a couple of days ago about getting it on Amazon. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, it's available from our website, which is thetableofus.com. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, we've sent copies all around the world, so, you know, not just around Australia. There's um, people in Japan, people in Italy. Italy this, uh, it's gone to Germany. It's gone to Canada. Yeah, it's gone to Canada. So a couple of it's Canada. Yeah. Which is interesting. Uh, we sent one last week off to France. So um, it's quite nice, actually, hearing that all these people are, I guess, randomly coming across the feed or coming across a, I don't know, an article that somebody has written about us and um, all of a sudden they're buying the book and cooking. These, From it, yeah. Beautiful. Know, these, these dishes that... You know, now it's sort of venturing onto their table. It's actually quite a nice experience. It's been an odd experience as well, but mm. surreal, isn't it? Yeah, surreal. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that your whole philosophy behind the cookbook, I think, is just so beautiful, and I think that that bringing to people together at the table is really what people strive for, especially now when we've been maybe away from our family and our friends for a little bit longer than we had yeah. all originally thought. <laughs> It's Absolutely. nice. It's nice to read and see the pictures. Yeah. Now more than ever. Yeah. yeah. It actually, if anything, it sort of helps create that strong connection. connection definitely. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of the, when we did when the book first launched a couple of months ago, one of the first things um, 
we did was it was sent to your hometown in Sisley to did I sent it to my 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 yeah. nonina's brother. Yeah. So my nonina passed away when I was oh fifteen years ago maybe. Yeah. Thereabouts. Yeah. So we sent a copy to and that's who the book is dedicated to. Mm-hmm. So we sent a copy of the book to her brother in um tiny little in the in Shaka where they're from. Yeah. South in the southern part of Sisley. And yeah, it's actually Pictures of their hometown, yeah. Mm -hmm. So all the photography in the book is what we've taken ourselves. Um, So the all the all the images that you see of all the Italian towns have been a collection of ten years of travel. Um, So it's very very personalised the book, um, and very has this sense of handcraft handcrafted feel to it. Yeah. I was listening to an interview that you two had done, um, I think for a radio station and, uh, Dan, you had said, you know, you love it because it's such a beautiful coffee table book. And I sort of, I sort of laughed, um, and I was listening to it with my husband and he goes, I, I can tell which books you use and which books you don't because your most loved books are falling apart they have stains all over them they're (laughs) they're dog-eared he's like i can't imagine those on the coffee table and i was like well if i had this one it definitely it wouldn't be a coffee table i think we had i think we had an an argument (laughs) on that the having people use your product or your you know your creation the book that you've made having them use it on a regular basis is actually really nice that's what you want to achieve but in the same breath when i hear things like <laughs> the dog year pages and i i know because simone so Simone has so many cookbooks and um uh comes home with a lot of books on a regular basis still, still. So, market research i call it market yeah, research <laughs> but you know the books that she refers back to time and time again, like the classics, right, mm-hmm. the really good ones. But in the same breath, I think there is um, something for quality. People appreciate things that are made well. People will hold on to them so much longer and they have a stronger connection with them. And I think that's the difference between, you know, and, and you know, we get asked this question a lot as to, you know, why did you even make a book? I didn't even realise people still sold books. or That breaks know, my heart, though. People are still printing things. Why didn't you just... Uh, the print is dead, yeah. Hey, why don't you just not the same. create a blog mm-hmm. or have an ebook that you can download for a dollar? And it's kind of like I, I completely understand that the convenience, aspect of it, yeah. The of it. Um, but that's actually a really throwaway thing. And that almost is the complete opposite of what we're trying to achieve. And so many people have bought the book and commented on, you know, I just want to put it out on display. And we've gone to a couple of people, but friends' homes and things like that, and they've got the book out on display, on the coffee table, next to, you know, some other beautiful books that... Um, and I think, mm-hmm. just to clarify, though, with what you're saying, Danielle, and we've had this comment a couple of times from people, you know, <clears throat> I thought this was just a recipe book, but it is just much more than that. Mm-hmm. For me, and I don't know how you feel about this, when you hold this book, it feels like a trip down memory lane. <clears throat> you know, it actually, it, you start to feel that feeling and that love and that, I don't know, the association back to heritage and family, even before you started reading the recipes, um, because it is just so personalised mm-hmm. um, and it's relatable. It's so relatable. It's 100% accurate. Yeah. yeah. 
Thanks. And, and, you know, that's recording. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the purpose and that is the role of the design. It shouldn't just be a thing. It should be something that will transport you, will take you away. And it doesn't matter what part of Italy you're from, even if you're not Italian, right? It doesn't matter what No, because you've been there. Yeah. It creates that connection and it almost transcends you into place or another time or a memory that you've experienced. Way now more there. so than ever when we can't get there. You're welcome. Well, I've, I love it. And even um, seeing photos from the cookbook and your Instagram, to me, it just looks like this beautiful leather bound journal that you would sort of open and you'd see these travel photos and these stories and you know little recipes sort of jotted down in the corner and I really get that sense from your social media and your and the and the book um how personal it was to you guys and I think that that is so beautiful and it hopefully is a treasured a treasured book in people's homes and and kitchens thank you yeah hopefully it is yeah but we do love it when people use it and we get yeah. tags and reshares and I want to see people cooking from it. Well, I think, I think there's, um, unfortunately, I think that there is a shift with maybe different generations, but I feel like we're probably a similar generation and I still buy magazines and my husband thinks I'm crazy, yeah. but I love, yeah. fl- there's nothing like flipping through those really thick Vogues or I, and I love international Vogues and Vanity Fairs and all mm. the different magazines and they're just so glossy and beautiful and pouring through it and flipping the pages. Yeah. And unfortunately that can't be reproduced in digital form so having a beautiful no. cookbook holding it and thinking okay what am I going to make this week and you know flipping through the beautiful photos is yeah, just an experience in the sunshine with the coffee and yeah mm-hmm. reading um, okay well thank you so much guys it was such a pleasure having you both on thank you yeah well I want to finish up with just a few little rapid fire questions if you guys are game just silly little questions Okay, so Simone, you'll answer first, and then Dan. Ready? Oh, great. <laughs> okay. okay, off we go. Apple or pineapple? Apple. Apple. Do you prefer to dine indoors or al fresco? Al fresco. Indoors. Do you prefer to be a host or a guest? A host. Guest. <laughs> okay, fast food question. Do you eat in your car, or do you wait until you get home? Home. I can't answer this because someone will look at me. <laughs> Car. <laughs> <laughs> okay, delivery question. I'll throw the, the evidence out before. <laughs> I've, I've done it. I'm, I'm notorious um, for eating in my car when I'm pregnant and hiding the evidence. <laughs> <laughs> at least you have an excuse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Daniel doesn't. <laughs> uh, delivery food question. Do you eat out of the containers or do you plate the food? Plate. Plate. And favorite food moment from a movie? Oh, well, oh, what's the movie with the? I don't know why this is the first thing that's come up to my, come into my mind, where they're they're both eating the spaghetti and they they meet and they kiss. What oh, movie Lady, is that? In, Lady like, in the Tramp. Lady, yeah, the dog. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Nicholas Pasta comes to my mind. Yes, the spaghetti meatballs. Yeah. And if you were to pick a food to describe your personality, what would it be? <laughs> I don't know. We were talking about this before. I don't know. An alcoholic beverage. 
<laughs> a glass of wine and a Negroni week. It's Negroni week. I love it. Okay, well, thank you both so much for joining me. I had such a pleasure talking to you guys and hearing more about your family histories and the cookbook. And um, I'm just, I'm just so excited to see what comes next. Thank you for having us. It's been a pleasure. It's a really good chat. If that episode didn't have you searching for the double zero flower, I'm not sure what would. I want to finish on a little story about one of my favorite meals in Italy. While on my honeymoon, my husband and I traveled all over Italy. While in Tuscany, we had this lovely little suite with a little kitchenette. One night, I wanted to stay in and just have a little charcuterie, so my husband drove down to a little grocer on a Tuscan side road and picked up some supplies. He got pasta, the most beautiful tomatoes and basil, and of course Parmesan, a few other cheeses and meats, and this little bottle of the greenest olive oil. It was a delicious meal. Was it the charm of the lovely little kitchenette, the fresh, just-picked tomatoes, the lovely bottle of Tuscan wine, the view? It was all wonderful. The best meals aren't the most expensive or the most exotic. The story Simone tells through her cookbook, The Table of Us, the best meals are the ones shared with family and served with love. Buonanotte.